It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sundays podcast here at the Hive Sports, brought to you today by myself, Ethan Kershaw, joined alongside Alex Maurer to talk all things Real Salt League throughout this week. Alex, I know that the result was probably less than what was wanted, but how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, but that result aside... I could be doing even better because my U13s also lost their Park City Extreme Cup semifinal 4 to 3 which was an absolute barn burner. We were down 4-1 at one point and then I pulled a center back threw like five guys up at striker and told them to just play which seemed <laughs> to be the same idea that Pablo Mastroeni had in this game. Uh, but unfortunately, it worked a little bit better for him. We came up one goal shy. It was so close. If we had two more minutes, we would have tied. And we would have won on penalties because my guys got that dog in them. But no, unfortunately, Rampage, they had our number. They got us. Uh, their coach received a yellow card for yelling at the refs. If you're listening to this, any youth soccer, if you're involved in youth soccer at all in the state of Utah, be nice to the refs, please. Please. That's true. It's, it it's such, so a, it's such a difficult job. And the reason we have a ref shortage is because nobody wants to do it because rude parents, coaches, and players are rude to officials and they don't deserve it. And the referee, might I add, called a fantastic game, even though uh, I want to think there was a foul on that fourth goal, but I digress, Ethan. Besides that, it has been a pretty good week, all things considered. What about you, my friend, wearing the inter Miami jersey that you are? You had to bring that up. You had I did have to bring it up. You come in here on a live feed and you're wearing an Inter-Miami jersey after an RSL San Jose game doing a podcast about said team. So what what's going on there, Ethan? Can you please explain that one for us? Yeah, it was a, it was a cheap shirt. Um, my wife got it for <laughs> me, actually. And uh, it's cool looking. Um, other than that, honestly, nothing else to, to back mm. Miami at this point. And um, as I mentioned before, I have more R- I have more RSL shirts and jerseys than I do enter Miami shirts and jerseys. So I'll already- let it slide this time, but just be warned, my friend. Just be <laughs> well, warned. Well, you've already mudded me at the beginning of this podcast. I'm sure I'll be taking a lot of heat for that. So uh, that's great. But besides that, I tell myself every time before every podcast to not make stupid takes. So let's see if I can get that right during this episode today. But before we jump on no the take episode, is a stupid take. Hmm, all takes are welcome here at the rsl if you're if you're looking for a takes podcast you can go find that at royal riot (laughs) this is (laughs) this podcast is here for growth discussions and discourse not for not for flaming hot takes okay well alex just uh tried to throw everyone that might be a flaming hot take who knows that's true. Um, regardless, make sure before we jump on in the episode, make sure to follow us. Uh, you can find me at Ethan Kershaw nine and you can find Alex at Alex Maurer on Twitter. Also, be sure to follow the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports. They have all of our podcast episodes as well as uh, a separate stream for all of our, our podcast episodes, our, our separate little uh, own own thing that we got going on now. Yeah, we are on our own stream release, now. So, so do yes. the whole like and subscribe rate review thing because that would yes. that would greatly help us and make us look good to the Hive Sports overlords, uh, Dan, if you're listening. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing our best here. 
Yes, yes, that would definitely help us. So we would appreciate the, the love and support and the reviews and the ratings. So thank you all again for listening today. Uh, got an awesome episode today for you all, as always. And so let's go ahead and start it off with our uh, with our pod trivia segment to get things going. Alex, do you have something good for me this week? Yep, there's a good one, and it's 50-50, Ethan. So strap in. Who okay. played more minutes for Real Salt Lake in their time with the club, Alfredo Ortuño or Jaison Ramirez? And I am. <laughs> this is based upon minutes played. Minutes games. played for the first team, right? Minutes played. For, yes, that's a good distinction for the first team. Monarchs minutes do not count Alfredo Ortuño or Jaison Ramirez. Two well, of, I would say, probably... <laughs> The more, maybe not the most hyped, but the more hyped players that we've had in recent memory. That, that kind of ended up flopping as well as I think that. Well, I mean, considering the questions way, not, so. you know, about how many minutes they've played on the great scale of things, yeah, yes. I would say they didn't pan out. Um, but who I, is it, Ethan? Who played more I, minutes? I feel like you're asking me this question because, um, like logically, we all just know you try to do this terrible. whole dance. You do this whole song and dance every single episode. Stop trying to read between I'm the just, lines of the question and just answer <laughs> the question. Which, what do you think the right answer is, Ethan? I'm just trying to explain my reasoning behind what I go with. Um, the reasoning should be because you think said player has played more minutes than the other. It shouldn't go deeper okay, than okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I I personally don't remember watching Jason Ramirez get a whole lot of time with the first team. And so as much as I dislike Ortuño and as, as terrible of a player he was for the team, I'm going to have to say that the answer is Alfredo Ortuño. Ding, 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 my friend. You have done it again. Alfredo Ortuño has 180 minutes logged for Real Salt Lake in three games. Listen to this. Jaison Ramirez has 80 minutes logged in 10 games. He obviously you didn't watch the MLS back is MLS is back tournament. Sorry, that's a tough one for me, but I didn't either, actually. And I was stunned (laughs) to see that he had this many minutes. And that is where they all came pretty much was as a late game substitution for old Freddy Juarez. So, yeah, he's got more games played, but he does not have more minutes. That goes to one Alfredo Ortuño, who I can't believe had 180 minutes. That's two full games of soccer. I do not remember two full games of soccer from Alfredo Ortuño at all. Yeah, Yeah. at all, my friend. But yes. He's Unfortunately, gone. yeah, Jason's gone. I mean, they're both so. gone and <laughs> not missed, frankly, <laughs> by <laughs> most standards, I would imagine. Yes, and gone were my hopes of getting three points in the game tonight for RSL, but we'll talk about that later in a second. Um, let's go ahead and, and t- jump on into our, our next segment, which is our Monarch Minute. Alex, um, I know you've got a, a lot of content for us today on the Monarch Minute, not as much maybe as, as last week, but... Um, I got my my stopwatch going. I actually do have it this time. And so I press it. So ready, set, and go. This one is not a director's cut or extended cut. This should be a real Monarchs Minute. Real Salt Lake Academy defender Gabriel Oksanen has been named to the Finland U-17 youth national team for the Open Nordic Tournament facing Denmark, England, and Norway. Oksanen, 16, joined the Real Salt Lake Academy at the beginning of the 2022 calendar year, transferring from Philadelphia Union's Academy. Not a lot of better places to come from. Additionally, Oksanen has prepared or appeared, excuse me, in three matches with Real Monarchs in MLS Next Pro, including starting against St. Louis City SC2 on April 29th, 2022. After a successful inaugural MLS Next Pro Invitational against the likes of Chelsea and Wolves U21 squads, the Monarchs return tomorrow, which is tonight when you're listening to this against the San Jose Earthquakes 2 on the road in California at Avaya Stadium. The Monarchs have been giving, have been gaining a little steam as their lineups have found much-needed consistency over the last couple weeks. The Earthquakes 2 currently sit three points out of a playoff spot, and the Monarchs sit 
many more points than that out of a playoff <laughs> spot. So it should be a good test for Coach Hamas and Olave's squad. How did I do? That is the Monarchs minute for today. Under a minute. You nailed Let's it. Go. Just under a minute. So Let's fantastic Even with job my, on that. my jumbling of words there, I did it. I'm so proud of myself. Yes, fantastic job, Alex. And uh, speaking of fantastic jobs, the Monarchs have really picked up a lot of steam lately, been playing a lot better soccer as of late, and so excited to see what they can do um, Sunday night against San Jose Earthquakes 2. And also for the rest of the season, um, you know, it's 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 tough where they're at in their position, just having lost so many games, dropped so many points at the beginning of their season. But hopefully they, they at least don't finish last. Remember, I think this is the uh, that's kind of going to be the goal for the team going forward the rest of the year is just don't finish in last. And they've got a yeah, fair chance of doing a, it now. A very tight race for the wooden spoon. So yes, <laughs> keep your eyes on that. <laughs> All right, uh, Alex, shall we shall we get into this game review as much as I you think, may yeah. not necessarily want to? But unfortunately, I think we shall. All right. So reviewing the San Jose Earthquakes game tonight, um, we are just off, fresh off of the uh, the end of the game. So just our, our live raw reactions. You're going to hear it now from us. Um, the beginning of the game, RSL kind of trying to get a feel for it. But San Jose with a couple of uh, chances and they end up scoring in the beginning of the game due to a mistake, unfortunately, by Justin Glad. Ball is shot into Justin Glad. Justin Glad uh, kind of with a, a hand out. Uh, it was... Uh, a, a bit questionable, but uh, ruled a handball nonetheless in the box. Unfortunate. So penalty for San Jose Earthquakes. Christian Espinosa of the Earthquakes puts it away in the 12th minute. San Jose goes up 1-0. to zero. Um, But uh, about uh, like nine minutes later or so, Jasper Loffelson gets a... Excuse me? Ball. Who? Uh... Jasper Lawful Godsend, I think Thank you, you mean to say. Yes, Ethan? yes. Okay, yes, cool. so sure. I thought I heard. I, I must have heard you wrong. I knew you were just made that mistake. <laughs> we're, we're, just so tr- we're just we're just trying. To, sorry to throw you off. We're just trying to to get all spread the, the good word. In, is what I we're guess. trying to do. <laughs> Jasper Lawful Godsend. There you go. Um, gets Thank the you. ball from I believe it was Andrew Brody on the break. Um, a lot of space, but uh, honestly, Jasper Lawson did a lot in that goal. A lot of pace needed there. He uses that pace to speed up and gets a, an easy finish. Uh, easy pass. finish yeah mm-hmm. get out of here that was a fantastic finish it was a fantastic finish but moving it, away from goal opening the hips going around the keeper sergio snortova could not make that one time out of a million it was a good finish it was a really it, solid finish it was it was great but would it have been shocking if he had missed it yes is the answer to that question i was gonna say the way rsl has been playing up top i would be yeah i guess not i'd be not very surprised if he missed that it was a very good finish from a yes, defensive minded sure. midfielder from a right back turn center man, I think it was. I think it was a great fit. I think you were discrediting the good word I'm, of I'm Jasper Lawful Godson. I'm I not. think it was a great fit, especially not for your all. first MLS goal. Yeah, get out of here. That was a good goal. No, that <laughs> you're trying to pick. Okay, me I don't. Want, I don't want to get us too riled up here. We've got a. We've got a much more <laughs> you know enticing items on the on the schedule here to talk about that will get us hopefully a little bit more amped up than this. But I just want to go out on a limb here and say that it was a fantastic finish. It was. From. Yes. Uh, yeah, but you said an easy goal. Yeah, should have been. Yeah, should, mm. he definitely should have finished that. Um, In the mm, post-game presser, he talked about how he's not usually an attacking-minded guy or a guy that normally can put away goals like that, scoring opportunities. And so he was glad that he was able to kept his composure and finish it off. Anyways, back on track. RSL ties the game at that point one-to-one. Um, halftime comes, halftime goes, um, just out of halftime in the 60, you know what, actually we should probably 
just touch on it and then talk about it a little bit later. But 47th minute, Sergio Cordova has a chance on an, an Sorry, open who? net. Uh, Snortova. So ah, Sergio yeah, okay. Snortova. Again, my, my mic must be, you know. Yeah, it, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, Sergio Snortova has a, a lovely <laughs> chance on an open net and completely it's, oh. we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk in depth okay. about that in okay. a second. But um, okay. right. but missed that opportunity. 62nd minute, um, Zach McMath, we had applauded his distribution last week, but unfortunately his distribution on this play wasn't as great. Kicks the ball straight to a, a San Jose <laughs> player, which then proceeds to uh, pass a through ball right into Jeremy Abobase. And Abobase slots the ball in between McMass legs for a goal. San Jose goes up two to one on the RSL mistake. Um, game goes on for a while. There are substitutions made. Both teams fighting for for kind of that, that nail in the coffin goal. And finally, in the 95th minute, fifth minute of added time, Jefferson Severino gets a a cross in from a lovely play, made the defender dance from Justin Merrim, crosses the ball in, Jefferson Severino controls the ball, shoots it, and I believe a defender was in the way of the goalkeeper, Marcinovsky, or Mar- Marcinovsky, or whatever, Marcinkowski for, uh, for San Jose, um, gets a touch to the, the ball, but doesn't get it all the way, and the ball just floats right past him and into the goal. RSL ties this game two to two. That is the final. Um, I, I personally, I, I thought that RSL could have gone into San Jose and really gotten three points in this game. San Jose, a team that is, I believe, second to last in the Western Conference standings right now with not really a, a ton other than just pride to play for. Um, so for me, and I, I think a majority of the people out there, maybe a little bit of a disappointing result considering the mistakes. But Alex, what thinks you? Well, first of all, it's bold of you to say that you think RSO could have gone in there and gotten a win because, oh, my sure. friend, I was the one that went out and predicted a win, and uh, I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> you can go rewind the tapes. Uh, I believe you say that you're going to go first, and you guessed 2-2, which is what I wanted yes. to guess, but I'm so yep. far behind in the standings that I had to defer and change it up to a 2-1 win, and I truly wish I hadn't. You are running away with our predictions, Supporters Shield. But, Ethan, this game... I. I Mm. Mm. I really want to try to collect my thoughts here Yeah, from an RSL perspective, and I kind of want to take the quakes out of it just a little bit in the way that I view this game. Because okay. for me, this is as much about the standings as I think it is about the actual performance on the field. And in the standings, it probably doesn't look too terrible yet, but I have a sneaking suspicion that it's going to look very bad within the next couple of weeks. And here's, here's a little nugget for you. Yeah. This was tweeted out by a good friend of the show, Hayden Nielsen. He said, June, we were second in the West in a shield race. We've played nine games and have taken nine of 27 points available to us. Eight of those points came against the last three teams in the West. This team has fallen apart and we're lucky others haven't capitalized. Those Sorry. last, that last little sentence is not mine. That's Hayden's. But uh, I think he's on a decent track there with his thinking. From a standings perspective, this was a pretty colossal, in my opinion, trip up. We are now one point behind, or I guess we're tied with Dallas, but they have us on goal differential because sometimes we lose games by six goals, which is incredibly... Oh, no, we're actually a point behind Dallas. Man, this ESPN thing is hard to follow. But we've only got two on Nashville three on the Timbers and then four on the galaxy and five on Seattle with the game in hand. And that terrifies me, Ethan, I'm going to list you off the next eight RSL games. And I want you to tell me if there is one game and one opponent that you are thoroughly confident that we can beat. Here we go. LAFC, 
Seattle, Vancouver, Dallas, Minnesota, LAFC, DC United, Austin FC. Is there a single team in that near two-month stretch that you think you can say right now definitively that RSL would beat? Is the uh, I, I guess I'll add a precursor to that. Uh, is the DC United game at home? The I, DC United sure. game is at home, but need I remind you that we just traded one of care. the greatest players in mm-hmm. RSL history, David Ochoa, to DC United, who will be having a revenge game, Ethan. And as a fantasy football aficionado that I know you are, I know yes. you understand the importance yes. of a revenge game, Ethan. Yes, of course I do. And you know what? Maybe David Ochoa has a great game there. But um, DC United, are <laughs> they're, they're currently last in the Eastern Conference. They do have, shockingly enough, three games in hand above uh, Toronto. Or maybe it's just two, and the game hasn't updated um, from tonight, from, from their game tonight, if they played. I don't even think they played tonight. But anyways, um, yeah, <laughs> give me DC United, man. I, I understand the the whole narrative of the revenge game with David Ochoa. And like I said, maybe he has a good game, but there's there's some goals that you can't just stop. Like uh, like soccer is a true. team sport. And so uh, give me that game. Yeah, that's a win. Very I, true. I, I so will, you, have, win. you have one game yes, in the next eight week stretch that you believe definitively RSL has the advantage. Buddy, we are in for a long haul. The schedule gets absolutely brutal. And to Hayden's point, we had a pretty cupcake summer, all things considered. It was a very light lineup or schedule, shall I say. We got to play the bottom two teams in the West. We got to pick off on some teams that were playing midweek Open Cup matches. We had all the opportunity in the world to separate ourselves from the playoff race between spots, you know, nine and six and really move into that upper echelon alongside LAFC and Austin FC. And for a team that touted their supporter shield race for so long to fall back this drastically and this emphatically is a colossal worry in my opinion. So when I approach this review for the San Jose game, that's the context in which I see it. And that's probably what colors most of my feelings and sentiments about this game. And that's probably why I'm going to come off as extremely negative on this performance and i think the performance also speaks for itself which i think was fairly negative obviously i don't want to dig too deep into stats because well for one pablo mastroeni hates them and doesn't believe that they actually you know are fair indications of the game and as a coach that lost four three but thought the team played better and had the chances and controlled most of the game i i can see where he's coming from but no we had 38 percent possession on the road which is pretty par for the course for rsl this season 12 shots six on target okay that'll do The problem, I believe, lies a little bit deeper, and it lies in the fact that our number nine big offseason acquisition, Blitzer Umbrella, Bundesliga, it's not even fair to call him a Bundesliga player, but Bundesliga cast off might be more more accurate, missed from a wide open shot, no goalie in sight, one defender trailing the play, running his tail off, and he can't find the back of the net. Not only can he not find the back of the net, he doesn't even get a very good shot off. Yeah, it was a, the, it was a terrible shot. The commentators couldn't even believe it. And I mean, Dunny and DJ are a pretty good non-homer crowd. But when DJ is saying, how did he not score that? And Dunny is saying, I can't believe the way he underhit that ball. That is a pretty stark indictment, I feel, of RSL's attacking core as it stands right now. Sergio Cordova, we have spent so much time on this podcast 
Too really, much. I have spent so much time on this podcast and I apologize for it, but it takes up too <laughs> much space in my brain to not allow me to kind of have this, this therapeutic session in which I can just talk about him. And, you know, it does, unfortunately for me and my ego, it does feel good to be right about him, you know, week after week. It just, it truly does. It inflates my ego like a balloon, <laughs> but he misses from six yards out with no keeper in sight. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's truly yeah. unbelievable. And Matt Doyle, you know, speaking about the quakes, he used to praise Wondolowski for his elite balance, which is true. And Sergio Cordova just had zero balance. Out, this yeah. play. He was, it looked like he was trying to do it with his eye. You know, the drunk goggles that you use from like your dare program. <laughs> yes. That's that is it what it looked, looked like. like. He was running with the drunk goggles on. That's it was true. incredible. It was so bad from him. It was so bad from him. And Pablo Mastroeni talked in the post game about this, not this moment in particular, but about Sergio Cordova and about the situation at the nine. And it was the first time all season. Yes, I heard it. Ethan, you and I, I have done say. our very best to be in every single postgame presser this season, at least one of us. This is the first time he has said anything remotely negative about Sergio Cordova. He talked at length, ad nauseum, about how much he needs to find confidence. And it was the first time in my ears, and I'd love to hear if you agree, that it actually sounded like I'll hold for yeah. applause. The first time he might consider benching Sergio Cordova all season. Yes. I know. It was incredible. Yes. He was asked directly yep. about Sergio Cordova, about his confidence. <laughs> and he said, we will look into our other options this next week game. or yep. next week. Yeah. It's going to be an incredible week of training. I, I can only imagine that this is going to ratchet up the intensity at least You'd have to assume a little bit from Sergio Cordova, right? He was also told by Pablo, Pablo said in the postgame, that I tell Sergio Cordova to help get his confidence up. If you miss seven times, take an eighth shot or something like that. It was take seven shots. If you miss all seven, take an eighth, which is is kind of hilarious for a player that misses seven shots. Like pretty like I, I, it's been a long time since he's made well, a goal. So he's, he's, he's missed he's a lot more him- shots than he's made. He's, he's telling him to take shots on, what is it? I, I'm assuming an empty net, unless somebody's out there working with him. It's ironic that he's taking shots on an empty net, and he has an empty net in this game. And yeah, maybe he should be practicing without score. goalie. I mean, there's one less goalie in training for RSL now anyways with the departure of David Ochoa, so perhaps he could get more time in front of no goalkeeper. But let me just, here's one more thing. I asked Pablo directly about the number nine situation. Yes. Uh, we need a striker. RSL needs one badly. And I asked if it was still a priority. I said, he's, you know, you've mentioned this publicly now multiple times. Is it still a priority for the team? And he says, and I quote, definitely a position that we're looking at. We've targeted a couple, but closing deals isn't always the easiest thing to make happen. There are lots of moving parts. You're competing against every team in the world. So is, mind you, this is the end of the quote, this is me now, every other team in the world who happen to be able to sign players. And I don't want to get too deep into the weeds with transfer rumors and all of that things because the window closes in five days and then I think we can speak much more definitively on it and that's probably a better use of all of our time here. Right. Uh, Not that it's, you know, not useful to talk about it. I think there's definitely something to be said, but I just would rather pump the brakes and just wait one more week until we can see because... A lot of breath could be wasted, you know, talking about the need for a nine and then they go out and sign one. Then we could just talk about him when he gets here. But it is a clearing like clearly a very glaring omission from RSL strengths is having a striker that can score goals. And in this game, Rubio Rubin actually came on and I mean, he had a couple chances. He has that one kind of half folly that he puts it probably the only place he can, which is right on Mark Sinkowski. And I just don't know that there's any other options or Anderson Julio could play up top. 
but I don't really like him playing alone. I'd rather Best have a right partner too. Yeah. Savarino was a bright spot in this game just because he hit an yeah. absolute banger to end the match. And he's just going to continue doing that. Mm-hmm. It's just what he does. And I think if there was players around him, he would be able to get in that position way more often than just the 95th minute of yeah. a game on the road against one of the worst teams in the Western conference. And so that's for me, that's where this review lies in my mind is the lack of offensive output this team is capable of largely due to roster constraints i mean when one of your biggest contri- uh, contributors is an aging justin miram and the other is an aging michael chang like there's just yeah. really not a whole lot to lean on and when those guys aren't producing which they are want to do it just you just have to cross your fingers that uh, Jefferson Saverino goes God mode. And luckily for us, this game he did in, you know, the most important time. And so for me, that's where my frustrations lie largely with this game. Obviously Zach McMath having a howler right after David Ochoa leaves is for me as a, you know, big David Ochoa advocate, a little bit hilarious, but again, sad for RSL. Ethan, what are your biggest takeaways and do they mirror my negativity or are you, as commonly reported on this podcast, maybe a little bit more optimistic than myself. I mean, I, I try to be as positive as possible, um, but th- this game is a little tough considering I, I would say a, a good amount of mistakes from RSL players. I think that's probably the theme for this game. Um, Justin glad it's hard, man. I'm, I'm not, I don't like to criticize Justin glad I'm just saying that like, I don't know if it could have necessarily Are you been afraid avoided. he's going to like respond. No, why do you not like criticizing Justin Glad? I love Justin Glad. I think he's amazing. (laughs) And he should have made the all-star game this year. Honestly, he snows is he's an incredible center back and it's just an unfortunate mistake. Um, Marcelo Silva, I think also had one that, you know, might've been called a a hand. Yeah. I was surprised. He didn't at least give that one a look. Cause I mean, it was a pretty clear strike on the arm. Yeah. I thought that was more of a a supernatural position. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, I thought that was more of a handball than, than Justin Glad's handball. But, um, but nonetheless, um, there's, there's that error from Justin Glad. And then the error was Zach McMath. Those are how both the goals were scored in this game for San Jose. And I mean, the way that, the RSL gets kind of back into this game is from, you know, from one of them, the, just the run of the run of play from, uh, it was kind of, I guess, a counter, like, I guess you could call it um, with Lawfulson just coming down the field. Excuse me. Who? And then lawful Godson. Ah, and, and then Again, I keep uh, cutting out. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. I'll get that fixed in post. <laughs> and Justin Merrim, I, I loved his creativity, at least on the, the last play there where he was coming in. Um, I feel like we see that every now and then with with Justin Merriam. That really is his position, his area of expertise is that that left midfield, left wing area. And he's showing a lot more pace this year than I feel like he has at least last year that I've talked about before. Um, he's just looked a lot more consistent and he, he gets on the assist sheet in this one. And so I feel like sometimes it's it's heroics that are needed and oftentimes to be able to get results like this one tonight. Um, but like San Jose got their goals from mistakes. Like this is, if you want to look at this game as a point point on the road, as being a a total win for RSL at this point, it's, it's really not. This is a team that's bottom of the West and we go in and we make two mistakes and give away two goals. Therefore giving away two points on the road in this game. You mentioned the schedule coming up is not easy. We might look back at this game and say, "Hmm, yeah, we probably should have taken another two points from this one. And it, very well could be a potential difference maker in the the playoff standings when it comes time. I'm looking at this team and I'm thinking 
does this team like deserve to make the playoffs? And if it continues at this trajectory, I don't know if that's the case. And I'm just, I'm just being realistic and honest. You mentioned the need for a a productive, consistent nine. And I completely agree with you there. But if you're looking at the other teams that are with us in the playoff standings, uh, Nashville, uh, Seattle, LA galaxy, these aren't scrub teams. These aren't teams that are just in the playoff race by a whim. These are good teams with good players. Um, I think Portland's even there as well. And, um, you, you mentioned the, the schedule, uh, uh, Vancouver, the, there's a Vancouver game. They play at uh, Rio Tinto. So it's a home game. I'm not hundred percent confident in that game because <laughs> with this team, man, like you mentioned with the, this recent, I guess, points that they've conjured out of the last several games, it's, it's hard to be a hundred percent confident in this team, but that one should be a win as well. They've been very good at home and, and I let's, let's just keep it real. Vancouver's gotten better in the transfer window they and have. RSL hasn't. RSL has gotten objectively worse because we haven't added anyone. And the only person we saw leave, we don't see money for that until next season in David Ochoa. So you can't argue that RSL has gotten anything other than worse in this transfer window. And I think that's so frustrating for fans and especially myself, because so often we hear in the winter window that it's hard to sign players because they're mostly in season and other seasons or in other leagues outside of the United States. And then the excuse in, unfortunately, the summer window is that when you acquire players, then they need time to get to MLS and it takes a little bit of time. That's it's, it's an excuse. It's an excuse from the front office and it has been for years and it seems to remain so because clearly other players are able to come into the league now and adjust mighty quick. Gareth Bale is one Cucho in Columbus is another. And so it is a convenient excuse from the front office to say that players will not be impactful signings in the summer. And it's also an excuse to say that you can't get them in the winter because clearly other teams are able to do it. And so with the official Gustavo Cuellar rumor finally seeming to come to an end with Pablo Mastroeni going on El Show RSL and saying so, to me, I don't know how we can say we have progressed as a team and a roster over the season when we haven't made a single game-changing addition outside of Jefferson Savarino. And maybe that's not fair. Maybe Diego Luna, he had a really good showing in the second half, comes good and is able to really turn things around for this team. I just worry that he's not going to be able to do it on his own, which I think seems fair to not want to put that much pressure and that much onus on a teenager to turn a season around. And you mentioned that a lot of these teams around us have you know, pretty good strikers. You know, you got Jesus Ferreira at FC Dallas. Teal Bunbury honestly scored a really nice goal today for Nashville. Yeah. Rui Diaz. Timbers, Sebastian Blanco just went crazy. Rui Diaz, as you say. Uh, Reynoso in Minnesota. Yes. We've got Savarino. And clearly in this game, he proved that, you know, there's the old, who is it? Johan Cruyff quote that he's never seen a bag of money score a goal. <laughs> and I haven't either, but ever since Averino's was pretty close because yes. that was yeah. a goal. I don't think anybody else on this roster can score. And I don't think that's a goal that anybody making under $2 million should be reasonably expected to put away on a consistent basis like Jefferson Savarino does. And so if that is the case that you can clearly go out and find goals by spending money, I would love to see some of that ambition that we've heard so much about from this front office and this ownership group actually be put into practice to get signings over the line. I agree. And, I agree. <laughs> and it's frustrating but, because that's what that's where this game falls for me. It felt like yeah. it truly feels if we had spent. So Elliot Fall goes on the radio this last week and he says it's unrealistic to assume that we would be able to buy down both current designated players in 
Demir Krylock and Sergio Cordova and refill those two designated player spots. And my question is why? The salary yeah. cap gives you one advantage, one distinct advantage in the salary cap for teams that choose to use it, and that's designated player spots. You can go absolutely wild on those. You can spend as much as you want on designated players and still just take the max budget charge. Why is it unrealistic to assume that a team with new ownership that has promised ambition has promised that they are interested in fighting for trophies to not utilize the one single advantage that the salary cap affords each and every team in major league soccer. That's fair. Why is that unrealistic? That should not be an unrealistic expectation from fans. That should not be an unrealistic expectation on ownership. And that should not be unrealistic to ask new front office members to go out and spend that sort of money to bring in players that are difference makers at the same level as Jefferson Sabarino. If you surround a Jefferson with players such as that caliber, the whole team will rise up because you're playing with so many better players. And as we hear so often, what happens in training when guys get pushed? What happens when new players come in and push for starting minutes over other players? It raises all ships in the team. I really got off track there. I was, I almost had it. I was so close <laughs> to a perfect rant. But that, for me, is the biggest story of this transfer window. And there's about five days. And I know I wasn't going to get too into transfers. I promise I won't. But there's about five days for the front office and the ownership to prove to me that they actually are as ambitious as they say they are. Because until they prove that they are not, it is all talk. It's all talk, unfortunately. And Jefferson Savarino is a great step in the right direction, but he's been here before. That is not a difficult signing to get over the line. Atletico Minero even came out and said, we didn't want to sell him. We just financially had to. It was not an option. Sometimes you got to cut players you don't want to. And when you're at the top of the allocation order and it was a place the Jefferson liked, it wasn't a very difficult and you knew it was going to work out. It's not a difficult signing. And so unfortunately for me, that's where this game comes down to. It's if we had had a big money striker or even just a competent MLS goal scorer, like a CJ Sapong or something like that. He puts that goal away that Sergio Cordova doesn't. We go up 2-1 on the road. We can bunker a little bit, and we probably come out if there were three points. And for me, that's going to be the step that this season is either going to take or it's not going to take. We will either find a player like that, or maybe a miracle happens, a demiracle happens, and Dami's back sooner than we think, and he comes in and fills into that role. I don't suppose that's going to happen. I don't think there's any indication that it's going to happen. But that's the only, those are the two ways I see the season going is we either go out and we find a striker in these next five days that can put those chances away and we become more than just a scrappy, maybe playoff, maybe not team, or we don't. And we continue to regress to the mean of our own statistics and our own performances and continue to slide down the Western Conference table. And so that's as much as I want to have some sort of positive spin on this game. It's Diego Luna. If there is one, he looked really good. And I think he could play the 10 and then maybe switch up where we play Savarino and get more going forward, possibly. But I just don't see it happening without a consistent striker that can put goals away week in, week out. Maybe that guy's Rubio Rubin. He's done it in the past for a short stint, I know. But it's better than having somebody play there consistently that hasn't done it at all for RSL ever. And that's just how I feel, man. It's a bummer. It's... I. I even got into the whole conspiracy of has there been an ownership mandate that Sergio Cordova came in from a bigger club. So like <laughs> he has to play these minutes so that right, you can yeah. then send him back an improved player. I truly believe it's like, I don't know. I don't want to say that. I think that's the case, but I, I, there, there's so much, you know, evidence to the contrary yes. that I think it might be, might just be possible that there has been at least a nudge 
to the front office and to the coaching staff that, hey, this guy that you just got from Augsburg, you should probably play him so that we can we can hopefully turn him into something special. But yeah. Well, man, I've just said a lot about not the game RSL played against San Jose. And so I apologize (laughs) if that's really what you came for. But that game and that performance was so dreary and such an absolute slog that I think that covers most of it from my perspective there. I mean, there really weren't any other stands out standouts. Lawful Godsend played kind of well. And I asked him post game what he thinks of his minutes because it hold on. Okay. 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 I'll hear you out. You, you, you're giving me the signal. I said lawful send lawful, excuse me, lawful godsend played pretty well. What are your feelings to the contrary? Cause you, you pumped the brakes on that one pretty quickly. Alex, he got his first MLS goal, man. What are yeah, you doing? <laughs> it's awesome. I said he played I, well. What are you talking about? You saying he played he said, great? Um, I mean, sh- did you think I said he played poorly? I, that's, that's, that's kind of what I took it as, but I thought I, I thought he played fine. I thought he was. I, I thought he was okay. I didn't. I didn't think after the goal he showed all that much. Frankly, yeah. But I mean, he's he's it's 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 Jasper. Like he's he's everywhere on the field, man. And he is. He is. I, indeed. I, I tweeted this out and I was thinking about it earlier, man. Like for the eighty-first overall pick in the MLS Super Draft, like this guy's an amazing value. It's shocking to me. He that is. All the other he MLS is. teams did not even. Well, to be fair, sure we even took a look at on him, but twice true. we that's sold true. our first round pick and we used our second on pedro fonseca so it's not even like that's we were really true. keyed in on that's this fair. guy anyways it was just we, we still got him i know it was it was a guy I, I think he's I earned all of it pretty much on yeah. his own and if injuries hadn't happened maybe he's not even here but speaking on jasper level godsend who is one of my favorite media interviews by the way because he gives like some of the most honest open and informative answers out of yeah. probably anybody else on the team Mm-hmm. Sands, maybe Aaron Herrera. Aaron's like extremely open and sometimes a little bit negative, and I kind of love it a little bit. But I asked Jasper because if you were listening to the broadcast very carefully, you heard that Dunny mentioned going from your last college season to your first MLS season is like a brutal stretch of insane minutes because your seasons kind of overlap. And so Dunny mentioned that they had been talking about maybe limiting Jasper's minutes. And so I asked him about that specifically, and he said, and I quote, I'm in conversations with coaches and the athletic trainers to try to find a way to keep me on the pitch if I'm playing well. Obviously, the workload is pretty high for me. I shifted from right back to center mid, and I feel my load has increased, giving me time off in practice and playing the full game or going in pra- or giving me or going full in practice and then getting me out of the games early are some of the scenarios. And so for me, that's at least the the positive I take away from that is that Pablo is managing players training minutes because at the beginning of the season, that was one of our major, you know, talking points, whether valid or not was that Pablo was probably running these guys too hard in practice. And so now Mm -hmm. as we've seen injuries cool off and now we are seeing players cite a break in practice as a help in managing their minutes. I think that's a positive. I think that is something that has probably helped the team seeing as fewer injuries have occurred. I kind of like it a lot and Jasper is a really good player for us. And I like that we're actually kind of taking care of him and managing that workload. So he was, as I was saying, he was kind of the other standout for me. And I hope playing alongside Pablo Ruiz in this next game, he kind of gets back into that groove. But I still wish he was Gustavo Cuellar. <laughs> right. I'll say yeah. that much, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So, um, it, you know, and I think another thing that really helps too is I actually asked Pablo in a midweek session, media session about rotation, um, talking about attrition. It was so important for the team last year, especially leading up to their playoff run of just rotating guys, getting guys 
rested up and well rested for for good important minutes and important games um and you know you mentioned guys getting rest and practice that's something that i think you like to see but it also probably is something that's a little bit necessary too as even as pablo indicated um last week that just kind of some of the quality of the guys on the bench like i there's a couple of guys on the bench that like i would not want i would not feel comfortable i would say starting a game and having a, a good result like guys like johan kapelhoff or, or Bodie hidalgo um i mean scott caldwell is i'm not going to include him in that list scott caldwell's been pretty solid for the team for most of the year he's had a couple of bad games but i mean you know i just i, I wonder if pablo's not really wanting to rotate the team as much so maybe resting these players during the that's weekend a very fair point is, is a, probably the, the better way to go, I guess here. But, um, and I think but, that speaks to his comments about wanting a left back, a six and a nine. Like that's yeah. kind of a, that's not an, an unsubstantial list, a wish yeah. list. I mean, that's, those are pretty yes, key parts of a team. And he even, he's, he's mentioned, you know, he wants kind of the full spectrum. He wants practice squad guys. He wants guys to push for starting minutes. He wants designated player difference makers. He wants U 22 players. And so it'd be really interesting to see what the complexion of this roster looks like in five days from now. And I, I keep going back to talking about the roster, even though I said I wasn't going to. But Ethan, I have a problem. I have a sickness. And it's it's MLS transfer season. And I think it's it's a lot that he wants. And yeah. I don't think he's going to get any of it or certainly not much of it. Yeah. And so I, as you're saying, I don't know that there is quality off the bench that keeps the same pace as the starters in the game. And Pablo has mentioned very often in post-game pressers that he sees players coming off the bench as, as important or more important than starters because they can't let the level drop. And if, if I'm Pablo and I'm looking down that bench and I see Bodie Hidalgo looking back at me (laughs) and the only option is to put him on for Jefferson Savarino, Michael Chang, or Justin Miram, how do you do that? I mean, how, how is that coming to change the game? And so I think there is a lot I think RSL is going to be extremely tested down this this horrific looking stretch for the rest yeah. of the schedule. And without Bobby Wood and without Demir Kralak, even if they're not game changers at this stage in the season or perhaps at this stage in their career for maybe a Bobby Wood, they're at least bodies that you can put onto the field. Yes. And yeah. at least guys that could compete in training. And without them, without, and not that they save the season, but man, you're smiling and laughing at me, but I really don't know that there's... <laughs> There's, I don't, there's just, there's no other help coming. It sounds like, yeah. I mean, from his answers to my, my questions post game about getting a new nine, it just doesn't sound like anything's imminent and you've got less than a week. So I just don't know that it's, it's going to happen. I mean, the best rumor we've gotten is about a 22 year old defensive midfielder or not even like just a regular, like an eight, like a regular midfielder from what, like one of the worst Argentina Argentina. that he doesn't even play very often. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't know. I'm not brimming with confidence. This is a larger discussion about the lack of scouting department that we have at RSL. It seems to just be Luke Mulholland and a Y Scout subscription <laughs> as our entire scouting department. Uh, I think he even mentioned, I cannot remember where it was, but I know distinctly Luke Mulholland. I think it might have been a Bleeding and Claire and Cobalt, but I also remember reading it. So I can't remember where it would have been where he was like, yeah, we do use Y scout quite a bit. Like that's definitely a part of it. And I was like, literally all the, like you're just scrolling through like transfer market and looking for guys that kind of sort of fit what you're doing. Like somebody yeah. please pay me to do that. I promise I can do that at a good level. <laughs> I'll be, or at least I'll give my all, but, <laughs> but yeah. And so this is, you know, we're, we're, we're planning on going on old Royal riot pod in about a week to discuss the transfer rumor. And we'll get into yeah. this conversation more there. Cause I think it's probably a better place to have it. 
but this the final thing I've got to say about the San Jose game is the roster's not good enough. If yeah. if this this team and maybe it's coaching, maybe it's Sergio Cordova shouldn't have started and played, maybe Rubin changes this game, maybe an Anderson Julio changes this game earlier on. But for me, the roster's not good enough, and that's what it comes down to. I think our defense was solid. I think it is two very, very silly unpredictable mistakes i mean yes justin glad's just not a pk guy you, you know you just yeah. don't see him give up those very often it's just a fluky yeah. one and so for me it's, it just comes down to the roster i mean sergio mm-hmm. cordova puts that away we're up to one i think it's a, an entirely different game and so that, that's that's what it comes down to for me that's all i've got to say about san jose ethan is there any you know burning review questions that yeah, you've got I, for us i just i i, I want to talk a little bit about some of the guys but um all back you to you if you want to you can't <laughs> okay. excellent thank you space for you thank you for allowing me to talk um <laughs> i want to go back on your point about Luke Mulholland. <laughs> oh <laughs> I dear you do i just you i, I just I, back to that the, the, no the reason i was laughing is because i was just like got luke Mulholland, and while we're dragging him through the mud as much as love <laughs> luke Mulholland, like as a player for rsl you just were talking about his scouting ability and i was like yeah i, I don't know how much i trust luke holland's luke Mulholland's uh judgment because i think i told you this story uh my brother was downtown after a, an rsl game and saw luke Mulholland and aaron Herrera and a couple of the other rsl guys and Luke Mulholland just walked up to my brother and invited my brother to a party because he thought that my brother was like friends with Aaron Herrera or something like, so I, <laughs> I mean, so he's, Luke so he's Mul- not very good at like seeking out talent is what you're saying. I mean, he's my not brother- good at like discerning, you know, <laughs> but, uh, attributes yeah. of certain people and where they might belong. To be fair, my brother is actually very good at soccer, but no, I was uh, and very close yes. friends with Aaron Herrera, surprisingly. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, of course. But um, yeah, judgment wise, um, maybe not the best. Anyways, but yeah, um, I mean, it, I said I wasn't going to get into it, and I'm going to stop apologizing <laughs> for it because I'm fully into the weeds now, and I'm just going to stay there because it's a comfortable <laughs> place to be. Go look at the signings that we have made since Obama left, and I know that that's a whole can of worms, and people feel strongly one way or another about. Bama, Andy Williams, former scout leaving. I personally wish he was here still scouting because man, it's always fun for him to like when a player scores a Premier League goal and he's like, yep, scouted that guy in 2016 and we would have had him had it not been for he who shall not be named. That's like my favorite, favorite (laughs) subsection of tweets and Twitter, but go look through the list of names and there are very, very few impactful players that have been signed since Luke Mulholland became the head scout that have not been scouted by Bama. I mean, Jefferson yeah. Savarino is obviously scouted by Bama. Even Gustavo Cuellar was scouted before Luke Mulholland. And then the only one we've got is Diego Luna, who was scouted from three states away in the USL. Are They still get credit for doing it. He looks like he's going to be a really good signing, but it's not exactly, you know, overturning pebbles deep yeah. out in the sea. That, that one was yeah. pretty, pretty close to home, that one. And then the rest are just a bunch of homegrown signings. Johan Kappelhoff, who has not been a major contributor, Thomas Gomez, no major contrib- contributions there. Anderson Julio was Obama guy. Chris Gablon was terrible and never saw the field. <laughs> yeah. And there's just, there's, there's very, very little. And so maybe this whole discussion about signings actually doesn't fall on Elliot Fall and Kurt Schmidt, but falls, you know, lower up the ladder on a guy like Luke Mulholland, who is just not giving them options. And yeah. I don't like to think about um, that. It makes me sad because it is fair. just, you know, not a super fun topic to talk about how people are possibly not doing their jobs very well and leading to other people not doing their jobs well, which leads to the team drawing on the road in San Jose, the second worst team in the Western conference when they're about to go home and play LAFC, Seattle, Minnesota, Portland, Austin, all those great, great teams. So, yeah, uh, you know, and you talk about the man, mistakes man, in this, 
you, you talk about mistakes in this game. RSL committed 17 fouls as opposed to only 11 fouls committed by San Jose. So 17, I feel like, is actually kind of a, a high number. Um, San Jose wins the battle in it's shots more than in this 11. Game. 14 it's true san jose wins the wins uh the battle in, of shots in this game 14 to 12 but rsl actually wins the shots on target battle six to four um they had rsl had a lesser amount of possession in this game um a pretty low tackle success obviously considering all the fouls at 64 percent pass accuracy under the season average at 74 percent um another thing that i thought was kind of funny you were talking about pablo and just the stuff he says sometimes I, I, I enjoy Pablo's intelligence. I think about the game. Sometimes it, it, it helps. And it's obviously the chemistry wise for this team done wonders and, and help this team be a lot better than I think they might've without him at, at certain points. But sometimes he says some stuff, man. And it's just, it's kind of funny. Like, um, <laughs> like him talking about confidence and like needing to score a goal tonight about Cordova. Like, let's not forget that last week he was talking about Rubio Rubin not seeing the field because he hasn't scored a goal yeah, in a while. And like, I thought, I thought the confidence. same thing. It's like a real so, chicken like, or the egg situation where you yeah. play a player so much that they don't get a goal. And so they need one to get their confidence so that they can then start scoring more goals. But then other players can't get on the field because they don't have confidence presumably because they haven't scored a goal in a while, but they haven't played all season. So how do you actually measure that? Yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought that was funny too. Um, yeah. For since Severino obviously played fantastic, but guy, a guy like, I mean, he played. I'd say he played well. I, I don't know that he I would played, say he okay. played fantastic. That's I think fair. he was That's quiet fair. for a lot of the game. I think this was yeah, kind of okay. the, the yin and yang of playing him at, you know, that striker 10 position. I thought he looked a little bit better there last week and the week before, and especially against Colorado in that position. But this week yeah. he was very quiet, in my opinion, for long stretches. And I think that happens when you put him in that spot. He drops so, so deep so that he can get on the ball and be involved that then there's just nobody to play up to and through. And I think that's a problem that, I mean, will hopefully be addressed, but we'll have yeah. to see. I think someone that played well when he came in was obviously Anderson Julio. Um, I remember specifically on one play, him rising up to get a header on a crossed ball into the box and me thinking, man, Sergio Cordova would never, but uh, apparently (laughs) Pablo thinks that he snored of a yes, would never, but I guess Pablo feels like Cordova still would. He's Um, just so convinced that Cordova is a great aerial presence and he has one headed goal. All yeah. season in 22 MLS games. Same right, as we're, Jefferson Savarino. Same we're, as Anderson we're done, Julio. <laughs> we're done small, talking about Very small, Florida. very small players, Jefferson. And it's just, uh, you're right. I'm sorry, Ethan. <laughs> no, you're I'm good. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, uh, we we got we to gotta keep it you're rolling. Right. Get this train um, back on the tracks. So Anderson Julio, I thought, played great. Rubio Rubin came in and was effective. Had a couple of opportunities, so good for him. Scott Caldwell subbed in the game in the 63rd minute as well. Thought thought he played, eh, okay, I guess, uh see when the, the second goal was scored right before um, Caldwell came into the game. So, you know, I guess held a clean sheet the rest of the game. Good for him. Um, I, you mentioned, you know, I, I don't know if anyone actually did play fantastic in this game. And so my final thoughts I will say on this game is it's nice to see Andrew Brody getting an assist um, to, to lawful godsend in this game. Um, good to see him get on the assist sheet as well as Justin Merrim. That left side seems to be working really well. Aaron Herrera slowly but surely trying to find his way back into kind of being productive for this team. And so um, at the very least, the wing play for like the, the fullbacks as well as uh, Chang and Merrim in this game was encouraging going forward. But not any really fantastic performances in this game. A lot of, I mean, not maybe a lot of, a couple of good performances, a couple of not so great performances. And uh, I think we'll leave it there, but yes, this game might be one we look back at 
And so uh, I think we should move on to our, our preview. What think you, Alex? I would love to move on, but man, I really don't want to because this one's... It's going to be fun. This one's, oh, it's man. not going to be fun. It's not going to be fun at all, dude. This game's going to suck. Are you kidding me? <sighs> all right. This game's well, going to suck so bad. Let's let's get into it. Um, Who are I'm we a playing? Euro snob. I'm, I'm a Euro snob, so um, I will enjoy this game quite a bit. Regardless. And why is that, buddy? Um, because Gareth Bale is yeah. coming to town, very likely. Yeah, uh, same with Giorgio Chiellini, likely to he play in this too. game as well. And uh, Carlos Vela, who I've already seen, I don't really care about. But um, it, it'll be an interesting game, to say the least. Um, LAFC coming to the riot, uh, 8 p.m. Saturday. I believe it is uh, August. August 6th is the game day. Um, LAFC obviously sitting first in the standings right now in the uh, the Western Conference. In the um, league as well. The league, yes, three points ahead of Philadelphia for uh, with a game in hand. Supporters LAFC with the game pretty good in hand. Yes, wow, that LAFC pretty good team Um, maxed out their DP spots. In case you were curious, yes, funny, Um, funny how that works. RSL only lost one game in league play this season, um, and it was the last home game they played against Dallas. So, um, not coming into that is yes at home not coming into this game with fantastic home form i guess over the last one game i guess you can or regular there, form i would say yes that's true that's true um but lafc yes very good team um <laughs> we got to make our score predictions and i'll let you go first because uh i don't want to take your your score prediction you, i will I go second that. from now on but um this game will be I, obviously we expect guys like gareth bale carlos vela uh giorgio Chiellini to start in this game probably maybe even Arango, who's been on a, a scoring tear this year and so uh this will be a very difficult game for rsl but i would uh i would advise you that maybe you should tune in who knows maybe rsl can pull off some sort of miracle but alex what do you think for the score prediction in this game my friend? well i think we should assign christian Arango when we had the is that his first name christian yeah, yeah, you're Arango. right. Yeah, I think we should have signed him when we had the chance. That would have been sweet. I, I promise you he would have put away that chance at Sergio Snort of a fluff tonight. <laughs> but Ethan, LAFC have won eight of their last 10 games. And as I said, they lead the league with a game in hand. This yep. is a an incredibly well-oiled machine that only got stronger during the transfer window while we stayed the same, if not got worse. And they don't have a problem playing at the Riot. If you recall, I think it was the home opener 28 that we lost six to two maybe it was 2019 i can't remember it was absolutely brutal and it wasn't fun and i had a very bad time and i took a friend with me that was going to his first ever rsl match and he understandably did not have a very good time and it wasn't very fun but he was very impressed with lafc and i worry it is going to be much more of the same however lafc does kind of give up goals they've only kept a clean sheet once in their last five And so I actually see RSL getting opportunities in this one. It's just going to be if they can convert them. But if I am going to be pressed against a wall and made to give you a score prediction, which I proverbially am because I am 10 points behind in the prediction standings, I need to make a good one. I am going to guess that RSL loses this one three to one. I think it's going to be bad, bad, not good for RSL on this one. I don't predict RSL losses very often because I don't like rooting for them and because I just have a very unhealthy, optimistic view that this team could beat anyone on any given day because that's just the kind of person I am, despite how I might come off on Twitter. But I think this one's going to be... (laughs) Man, I got... A wise man once said, I got a bad feeling about this and I can't believe I made the reference. For for all the nerds out there, they're going crazy for that one. 
But uh, yeah, it's going to be bad. It's going to be 3-1. It might be even worse. I feel like this could really be the kind of performance that heats up some seats if, yeah. if if you catch my drift. I think RSL, if they, I think I said this in the group chat, if they are able to pull anything less than three points from the next five games, which I think is actually very possible considering we only came away with one in San Jose, I think that's when talks are really going to start ramping up about people's employment status at the club. And I fear for that and I don't want that. So I want to win very badly. But if I have to be honest in what I think is going to happen, my guess is three, one, you know, if a goal is coming, it's probably from Jefferson Severino. What say you, my good friend? Yeah. I like that shout. Um, I am looking at as well as the games, um, for LAFC that they've played over the last uh, couple months. LAFC have had one draw and one loss, <laughs> Since May 18th, which I feel like is a very, very long good team. Time very, ago. very good team. And they only They're got a very better. Good team. That's crazy. Yes. I hate it so much, but good for them. Um, you know, you mentioned that the clean sheet thing being sometimes an issue for the team. And I understand. But for me right now, it worries me that we've talked so much on this podcast about the lack of production from uh, a, a real consistent number nine. I almost worry that this, that might kind of rear its ugly head in this game a little bit. And so I'm going to agree with you on the loss aspect, but I actually don't think that RSL scores in this game. Um, I think that there's a chance, like you mentioned, Jefferson Savarino definitely is a guy that can score and definitely like, I, I hope he does, but I, I'm not confident in it. And I worry as well. LAFC isn't a, fantastic amazing possession team but they do have games where they are able to control possession i wonder if that could be this game could be one of those games especially if they're they're playing all of vela bale if they're able to control the ball often in this game um i think that they win this game i'm gonna say three to zero so um, i think that they they get thoroughly trounced um in case in case you were curious RSL hasn't had a great history playing LAFC except for in the playoffs. Yeah, when it counts most, we seem to come away with results. And, you know, to your point about them <laughs> maybe coming possibly full strength with Chiellini, Bale, and Vela, they do play midweek against Club America in a friendly yep. in the Leaks Cup showcase. So hopefully for RSL fans, they take that incredibly seriously and they really empty the tank against Club America and they come in gas to play at altitude in Salt Lake. But I just... Boy, howdy, I don't see that happening. Yeah, um, in case you're wondering, Carlos Vela, uh, so LAFC actually played yesterday for us on Friday of this week against the Seattle Sounders, beat them 2-1. to one. In case you're wondering, Gareth Bale only got 27 minutes in that game, subbed in a little bit later. Carlos Vela, full 90 minutes, and Giorgio Chiellini, 72 minutes in that game. And so it might be a mixed bag, honestly. And if it is a mixed bag, if that's the case, if maybe they don't play somebody like Gareth Bale at all in the game, and stick to Carlos Vela. Maybe Chiellini goes partially through the game, like 60 minutes or something. Christian Arango goes 60. That's still that's pretty true. good. Pretty Maybe good we get a chance. Maybe we have a chance, but I don't yeah, know. Um, my don't my know. player to watch in this game <laughs> is probably because you'll, I, I'm predicting a 3-0 scoreline. My player to watch in this game is a guy you'll probably be watching a lot of because the ball will be over on his half quite a bit. It's going to be Zach McMath. He oh, had a, I wanted a, oh I wanted oh. to call Zach McMath so bad. Oh, sorry. Good shout. Do you want to take no, it? No, I'm proud. No, him. Ethan, you got it. You got it. Okay, Zach McMath uh obviously will be important in this game. He's now dropped to third in the league in saves made uh in the in the league in the in MLS play this season. And so um he's going to be vital. He's going to be important if RSL wants to get a, a dis, like 
at least even a point or even something out of this game. They're going to need to rely a lot on Zach McMath um, and his goalkeeping ability. Uh, In this last game against San Jose Earthquakes, not great. Obviously giving up a mistake, um, questionable decision-making at times. And so he's going to need to be a a lot better against some world-class attackers in this LAFC game. Um, Zach McMath's my one to watch. And I don't know if it's for a good or bad reason, but make sure you watch him and (laughs) make sure you watch the game. (laughs) Alex, what about you? Who's your one to watch in this game? For perhaps similar reasons, it's Aaron Herrera. I think he had a very good game against Sporting Kansas City, and he has since, I mean, in this game, he wasn't very good. So I would say he's kind of regressed back to his average on the season, which has been not very good, which is unfortunate because, as I've said multiple times on this podcast, I think he's the only player on this roster that has completely regressed year over year from last season. And a lot of that is due obviously to losing Demir Krylak, who was his target in the box that he was so adept at finding. And without that, he seems lost going forward on that right-hand side. And I really thought he had taken a step after that Kansas city game. I really thought he was back. And then against San Jose, man, he was just silent again. And so I want to watch him in this game to see if he can kind of write that wrong just a little bit. Cause we just need, we need more attacking production And that might sound harsh to pick on a defender for that, but he accounted for so much of what we did positively last year in attack that I think it's fair to want more out of him going forward. Maybe it's a Pablo thing playing him in positions higher up the field. Maybe it's surrounding him with a more dedicated winger like Savarino playing out wide than playing up top. I don't know what the answer is. I just know that I'm interested in finding out what the process looks like to try to get there. So I'm going to keep an eye on Aaron Herrera in this one and hope that he can get it back to his top level, which I think was very, very close to MLS best 11. I think he was probably the, if not the second best right back in the league last year, probably third or fourth. So I would like to see Aaron Herrera kind of go up against what is probably the best front three in major league soccer. And I don't even think that's close at all. So we'll see how he does. And maybe that's a good reason to also pick Andrew Brody to be the one to watch. Cause man, those two guys are going to have a lot to deal with on Saturday. Yep. I completely agree, and it'll be interesting to see um, with Aaron Herrera, as you're talking about as well, to see if he does or doesn't make smart decisions in this game, which has often been a, uh, a topic yeah. of, of yeah. Uh, conversation this year for, for Aaron Herrera. So that'll be interesting to see. Make sure you tune in uh, to watch this game or just go to it live. It'll be 8 p.m. at the Riot on uh, Saturday, August 6th. Um, with that being said, um, I want to kind of just wrap things up. We, uh, we whiffed on our news segment. We did. So, um, we might did. as we well just right uh, over that. It was in the dock, and then we just skipped right on over it. And you know, we, we actually included the the two pieces of news that we had prepared in the episode already. So I guess we'll just kind of touch back on them. But Alex, can you provide us the details for the David Ochoa deal that happened this week? Boy, can I! If you follow me on Twitter or follow anyone that follows me on Twitter, you probably saw each and everything I had to say about the David Ochoa transfer saga, and it is now official. He has been transferred to DC United for seventy five thousand dollars in GAM in twenty twenty three and incentives if he re-signs with DC United, including a 25% sell-on fee if DC were to move him after re-signing him. I want to keep this fairly brief because, as I mentioned, I have spoken ad nauseum about this on Twitter. However, I do feel it is important enough to bring up on the pod as well. From my perspective, RSL has had a hand in making David Ochoa the player and the person that he is to this point from classifying and exploiting him as a villain, which I know exploit might sound like a harsh word, but man, when you sell scarves of a guy that say the villain, 
you're, you're, you're definitely leveraging his antics for your marketing. And so I think there is a lot more that goes into it than what we see publicly from the front office, both in interviews and what we see from club employees and tangentially related club affiliates putting out sort of vaguely on Twitter. I think we get very, very much the one side of the RSL rumor mill on that and in regards to that. And I think there is much more to the story than just that from David's perspective. I also think that the club is wrong to say things like his agent has been giving him bad advice or that his agent is difficult to work with because that is, let me tell you, Ethan, the job of the agent. He is looking out for the best for David Ochoa, and it seems to have worked out very well for him. He got him out of a bad situation and moved him to a new team where he will have a chance to play and have starting minutes and will then likely be moved on to maybe some of the teams he's been rumored to, such as Barcelona B or Manchester United or Club America. So in my perspective, we were... It was a solid move to get 75000 and possibly a lot more than to get nothing, which I think most of RSL fans, including myself, thought we were going to get. But it is a much, much worse deal than had we re-signed him in the offseason before and then sold him on for millions with 100% sell-on fee and not 25%. So while I do think there is a slim silver lining in the $75,000 in GAM that we get and the possibility for a little bit more, I think it is still an ultimately a black mark on this FO's resume. And I'm saying FO because I'm used to having to condense my Twitter characters, this front office's resume to not be able to fully maximize the output of another homegrown player. And it is a theme for RSL. And until they can prove that they can do it, that they can bring up an Academy, play him with the Monarchs, play him with the first team and then sell them for millions of dollars. We cannot believe that they can actually do it until they prove us wrong. We are, we want so badly to be in the same league as the Red Bulls and the union and the Dallas academies. We are nowhere close to that. Yes. We have some good first team contributors. None of them are game changers. Justin glad is as close as it comes. And he unfortunately cannot hold this team on his back. There needs to be more out of our Academy. If we are going to continue to tout that we are a homegrown developmental club, if you are going to bypass fully maximizing your designated player spots and instead invest fully on guys like Axel Kai, Jude Wellings, people you signed in the offseason to first team contracts. You have to prove to us that you can actually make those players into game changing pieces for RSL. So that is where I ultimately land on the David Ochoa spectrum of transfer saga. I am glad that it is over. I am happy for David that he got into a very good spot with an Eastern Conference team that is hopefully on the up and up and he gets to play under Wayne Rooney, which should be cool for him. I am exceedingly happy that it is a team that is going to play RSL this season while he is still presumably there. And I hope the best for David. I think whenever a player is typecast by the front office and by a manager, just take a step back and just consider the perspective of the player and more importantly of the employee of the billion dollar business and think what might be going on for them in that situation. Maybe a guy like David Ochoa didn't want to come to work on time because he had been racially abused at work by Andrew Putna. Maybe things like that are also at play. So that was, that was as short winded as I could keep it. If you have any more interest in the David Ochoa saga, just look me up on Twitter and you can read for about a day and a half and probably come away with uh, the tip of the iceberg of what I had to say. Ethan, is there anything that 
you disagree with or that you want to highlight from my David Ochoa comments and rant. No, I agree. I think it's good for David Ochoa. Um, it's good for, for RSL R- too. Look, they wanted him R- gone yeah. and they got him gone. Yeah. And it's not for $0. So yeah, better for RSL than just letting him go on a free transfer at the end of the season uh, after he's out of contract. So um, also I think that it's worth noting as well. Um, at some point during the week, there were rumors coming out that David Ochoa is drawing interest from teams like Barcelona and teams like Manchester United. Um, uh, there's been speculation that those rumors may have just been really uh, hyped up and generated by guys like David Ochoa's agent. Yeah, and if um, so, great move from your agent because two yes. hours later, he's officially transferred to DC United. Yes. So if that is true, his agent did a wonderful job. So yes, uh, yeah. And and if, and if it isn't true, then it's I I think fantastic by RSL. Then his agent's got a star point. on his hands. <laughs> yes. But fantastic at this point by RSL at this point where we're at to at least get something from the guy. So potentially a, a good chunk of change for David Ochoa. Farewell to him. Best of luck to him and his, his future. Endeavors. I hope he absolutely um, stonewalls us in September. I, I hope he plays great, but I hope I, he doesn't. I hope oh, he plays terrible. I, I hope game, he absolutely we'll stands on his head. And I hope he delays so much time. I hope he goes down every single time he gets the ball. I'm sure and I hope he pumps sure up the crowd. I hope he shushes the crowd. I want I want him I'm to sure do we'll see every single thing that he did for RSL that the team used every single time he did it in their social media posts. The I hope he does all of that to us in a 90-minute span. I hope for it so bad, Ethan. I, if DC United gets a penalty, that. I bet you he takes it. And that would be that would truly be Nirvana. <laughs> that would be for the me. ultimate. If David Ochoa steps up and drills a penalty at Rio Tinto and shushes the crowd, I think I might actually transcend. That would be the absolute <laughs> greatest outcome of this whole saga. That would be absolutely. Uh, and then he refuses to resign with DC United just despite RSL. That would just be tremendous content. That would be that would just be <laughs> so wonderful. Well, um, but uh, speaking on a, another piece of news as well. Um, as you had mentioned earlier in the podcast, the Gustavo Cuellar deal is uh, dead for Pablo on El Show RSL. Um, so no more Gustavo Cuellar coming to the team. It's a bit unfortunate from a guy that has been so good for the Colombia national team, starting for Al Hilal and a, a very good player. So um, on that piece of no- news, I will leave you all with a, a final stat for the, the day. Um, this, I guess, could just be kind of my stat of the day, which would be a fun segment. But I was going to say, like, I don't I know if like I can that. find... I don't know if I could find as many stats for as many episodes as we have, but I'm sure I could. So maybe we could uh, bring this into a new segment. Uh, people, let us know what you think if we should put this into like a short little like fun that. segment. But um, my stat of the day is that Justin Merrim, uh, at this point in time, is actually tied for uh, fifth place in the league in assists made this year with a total of six assists after huh. the assist that he had in this game to Jefferson Savarino. So tied Good for, for Justin. fifth in the league in assists. Uh, I think that is the the best stat other than a goalkeeping stat that I could come up with uh, for an RSL player. I'll right take now it. At this point in time. So um, that is all that I have for the episode and the podcast today. Alex, you have anything before we, uh, we exit? No, we said we were going to keep this one short and it is officially our longest episode in like a month and a half. So good for us. We did it. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody out there listening, thank you all so much for your time and, uh, and listening to the episode today. Really appreciate Um, All you do to support the show, um, as Alex mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, if you haven't already, be sure to rate and review the podcast. Uh, Preferably a five-star rating would be fantastic. Um, Also, preferably whatever you feel is fair. (laughs) 
yeah but if you feel a five star (laughs) if you feel a five star rating is appropriate we would uh we would uh, appreciate appreciate that that very much um also you could find myself at ethan kirsten nine you can find alex at alex mauer on twitter also find the hive sports at the hive sports on twitter where you can also find all of our episodes and podcasts additionally to the separate uh stream that we have for our rsl sundays podcast again we thank you all for listening and your time be sure to tune in next week for our game and our coverage after the lafc game until then we will talk to you all later see ya the hive sports.com has all the buzz on sports in the beehive state covering prep college pro and church sports no way really okay maybe not that last one if you want to stay in the know about all things jazz cougars aggies and utes then this is the site for you the hive sports.com we may even feature your high school so check us out today at the hive sports.com you can also follow us on twitter instagram and facebook check out the hive sports.com because we got the buzz 